0: Can you feel it? There's been an awakening in San Diego. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Say Hey Podcast. Sorry if that was too weird for you, but only Star Wars fans will actually understand that reference. Folks, the Giants have actually won a game against the San Diego Padres. That's right. Last night, the Giants won Game 1, three to 3-2. And along with breaking down the next two games, which will be tonight... And tomorrow, I'm also going to be giving you all my takeaways from the Seattle Mariners series. I know, we don't want to relive it, but we're only going to have to do it once and then we'll move on. But hey, here's some good news. After last night's win against the Padres, the Giants now have a record of 2-2. Two and two. They lead the majors in home runs, and they have not committed the most errors in the league. I don't know about you, but that's not a terrible way to start the season in my opinion. Tonight, the Giants look to take on Hugh Darvish for the San Diego Padres, and then they will take on the lefty Blake Snell during tomorrow's game. But before we do that, like I said, let's go ahead and talk about the takeaways from the Seattle Mariners series. First one being Kevin Gosman. He did exactly what he was supposed to do in order to be successful in his first start of this series, and it was the first game of the regular season. He did not give up any homers, and he only walked two batters. He finished his night pitching 6.2 innings, only giving up two hits and one earned run, walking two batters but striking out six. This is exactly the type of performance Gosman is capable of sustaining, especially at the front of the rotation. He kept the opposing Mariners hitters off balance and induced soft contact with the baseball all night. The only thing I will say is that his fastball averaged around 93.6 miles per hour all night. However, it still managed to top out at 97 from time to time. So as of right now, the velocity from Gosman is not really a concern to me, especially since he had a late start to spring training, and this is only his first start of the season. If we get to a point during the second half of the season and his velocity hasn't changed, then I'll be concerned. But for now, as the season goes on, I also expect Gosman's velocity to rise. Another pitcher that's worth mentioning is Johnny Cueto, and the reason being is because his outing went actually better than I expected. Yes, he did give up three earned runs and 5.2 innings pitched, but he also managed to strike out seven batters. Cueto's changeup was almost untouchable Friday night, and not only did he look completely healthy, but I also think having Buster Posey back behind the plate gave Cueto a little more confidence to throw riskier pitches that have more movement. Last season, Cueto was able to become comfortable with Chadwick Trump, but even then, it seemed as though Cueto and whoever caught him were never really fully on the same page. So it's definitely nice to see familiar battery mates become synced up. Now, after looking back at Logan Webb's outing, it really isn't as bad as it seemed in the moment. I think the toughest part of the game that he pitched was that the Giants' bats were completely shut down the entire game. Logan Webb finished his night pitching 5.1 innings, giving up 7 hits, including a home run. He gave up 3 earned runs total, walking 3, but he struck out 5 batters. So there's a lot to digest there. The first being that clearly the Mariners were able to get a lot of runners on base, which is exactly what can't happen against this type of team. It is nice to see that Webb still managed to walk away with a handful of strikeouts, but like I said, this game would have been much better if the Giants were able to make something happen offensively. So if you're thinking to yourself, oh great, here we go again, we won't be able to rely on Logan Webb just like last year, let me first just say this. As of right now, Webb's current ERA is 5.06. Okay, not that great obviously. However, his expected ERA, or XERA, is 3.81. I talk about expected stats from time to time on this show, but basically, based on the quality of contact Logan Webb was giving up to opposing hitters the other night, The results should have been different. I am absolutely nowhere near ready to give up on Webb or write the season off as another 2020 performance. I think Webb is going to figure out how to execute his changeup, and I think we are going to see much better results from him as the season progresses. Now, I know sometimes people don't like how optimistic I can be about certain things because it comes off to them like I'm not being realistic or genuine. Well, for those people, I will say this. I'm still completely terrified of the Giants bullpen. The entire offseason was centered around acquiring reliable arms in an attempt to stop the late inning meltdowns, but as we saw last Thursday during Gosman's start, that simply cannot be fixed overnight. However, there are still some names in the bullpen that I still trust, and the first name is Caleb Berger. If you're a regular listener on the podcast, then you know just how good Berger was last year, especially during his last 14 appearances on the mound last year. Thursday night, Berger was the first reliever to come into the game after Gosman, and he managed to get out of the inning with no problems. Another name I trust? Jake McGee. During this offseason, the Giants acquired Jake McGee through free agency, and last year, McGee was fantastic for the Dodgers. Luckily for the Giants, it seems as though McGee is still looking to keep the trend going and has already picked up two saves, including one during last night's game against the Padres. So far, McGee has pitched three innings total, still has yet to give up a single hit or an earned run, but he has walked one better and has struck out four total. The lefty veteran who primarily throws fastballs will have to be one of the most reliable arms in the bullpen if the Giants want to trust that they can take the ball away from starters because if not, then the season is going to be pretty rough. Now, some names I absolutely do not trust are Jose Alvarez and Tyler Rogers. I will say this, Rogers did finish the 2020 season strong during his last eight outings. During that time, he pitched eight total innings gave up 8 hits, which pretty much equates to a hit per inning, did not give up any runs, and only walked 1 batter and struck out 8. Rodgers can be very effective when he's dialed in, but when he misses, he misses in a big way, especially because of his delivery. I like how unique he is, but it honestly just scares me how slow his pitches are. Rodgers still has an ERA of zero after pitching 2.2 innings this year, but the only thing is that it just seems as though every time he pitches, at least one player finds their way on base, either by a hit or a walk. Again, Rodgers can be effective, but my only worry is when he's not on, it could be pretty bad. Now, as for Jose Alvarez, I'm completely throwing in the towel. Thursday night during extra innings, Alvarez walked three straight batters, including the go-ahead run. That can literally never happen. I don't really know how Alvarez made the 26-man roster in the first place. I personally would have loved to much rather see Nick Tropiano, James Shurfee, or Dominic Leal make the team. I just don't necessarily see what's so special about Alvarez, at least not yet anyway. Especially since the Giants also have a handful of reliable left-handed pitchers, such as Berger McGee, obviously, but also Wendy Peralta, who pitched 1.1 innings on Friday and struck out two batters while not giving up any hits, runs, or walks. And another lefty who has proven to be reliable is Sam Selman. So in my opinion, I really don't understand Alvarez's role on this team, but maybe he'll improve as the season goes on. Who knows? But, you know, I don't know. I just don't trust him at all after Thursday's game. Alright, in terms of our hitting, it was amazing to see how reliable the right-handed bats were against left-handed pitching for the first two games of the Mariners series. Buster Posey and Evan Longoria both hit two home runs in two games. Austin Slater hit a home run in Thursday's game. Wilmer Flores hit two doubles in the first game and got another hit during the second game. And of course, Donovan Solano simply cannot stop hitting. However, one thing I'm still waiting to see is more production from the lefty bats. I realize the first two games of the Mariners series came against left-handed starting pitching, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But some of the best bats in this lineup are left-handed. The biggest name, obviously, being Mike Yastrzemski. Heading into last night's game against the Padres, Yaz was 1-for-13 with six strikeouts. Come to find out, though, that his hand is still sore. He didn't start in last night's game. It was too much for him. I guess he couldn't grip the bat or, or his hand was swelling up during batting practice right before last night's game started, so he was not in the starting roster. However, he did hit a pinch hit home run. So, thank God for Yaz. Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford haven't done much better, and Dickerson hasn't had enough at-bats, however, he did hit a pinch-hit homer Thursday night. Along with improved performances from the relief pitchers, I'm also going to be needing a lot of improved performances from the left-handed bats in this lineup, especially against one of the best offenses in all of baseball. Alright, now that I've officially had my closure from the Seattle Mariners series, we can finally move on to something fun, something positive. And that is the first game of the San Diego series, and that was last night. The Giants won 3-2. And starting on the mound for the Giants was Anthony Descalfani. I mentioned his great start in spring training against the Padres. However, even though this start didn't go as well, he still put up very productive numbers. He pitched 5 innings, only gave up 4 hits, 1 earned run, 3 walks, which is a little high in 5 innings, But he struck out four batters. In my experience, I have very rarely seen this San Diego Padres team only be held to one run within the first five innings, so this is something I'm definitely happy about. Something else I was happy to see was that the right handed hitters continued to do their job against left handed pitching. Austin Slater was leading off the game and he went two for five. Donovan Solano batted second and he went two for four. Again, he cannot stop hitting. Wilmer Flores finished his night without a hit, but that's okay because Darren Ruff and Evan Longoria were the anchors of this offense last night when they both hit solo home runs. As I've already mentioned, I would like to see more production coming out of the left-handed bats, but to be fair, out of the first four games the Giants have played so far, three of them have been against left-handed pitching. So I'll go ahead and give them the benefit of the doubt. The last thing I'll mention from this game is that Yaz also hit a home run, and the relief pitching didn't do terrible. It's been a little unfortunate to see how inconsistent Matt Whistler has been to start the season because as of right now, he has a total of three starts, okay, which means just three different innings. The first one came Thursday night when he gave up two hits and three earned runs and one walk. Pretty atrocious. Then the second game, he was completely shutting down the opposing offense. He pitched 0.2 innings and struck out two batters. But last night, After taking the ball from Anthony Desclafani, he pitched 0.2 innings again, gave up two hits and one earned run. Heading into this season, Matt Whistler was supposed to be considered to be one of the most consistent options Gabe Kapler can pivot to in intense situations. But as of right now, it's definitely not shaping up to be that way. But I will say there still is hope. And the reason being is because as of right now, Matt Whistler is in the top 7% in the league in giving up hard contact. Opposing hitters are not hitting the ball hard against Whistler. And what usually follows soft contact is a bunch of outs. So I expect Matt Whistler to get, you know, comfortable at some point during this season. It's just unfortunate that it's taking a few appearances on the mound to get there. But, you know, we've got a long season ahead of us, which means there's plenty of time for these players to improve. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the next two games against the San Diego Padres. Tonight. On the mound for the Giants is going to be Aaron Sanchez versus Hugh Darvish for the Padres. Now, when you look at Aaron Sanchez's numbers against the Padres, you can see that the Padres have only been able to produce a team batting average of 167. That's phenomenal. And then when you break it down, the only Padres players that have faced Aaron Sanchez are Eric Cosmer, who's gone 2-for-6 against him, Manny Machado, who's gone 6-for-35, which equals a 171 batting average, But he has hit two doubles and struck out four times. Will Myers has gone 0 for 5 against Sanchez. Tommy Pham has gone 2 for 4 with a double. And Jurickson Profar has only gone 0 for 2. So besides Eric Cosmer and Tommy Pham, there isn't too much success against Aaron Sanchez in the Padres lineup. But my only worry is that I'm just not sure Aaron Sanchez is ready to go up against one of the best offenses in all of baseball right now. Aaron Sanchez is not the same pitcher he was in Toronto when he was facing Machado all those times during his time in Baltimore. Because back then, Aaron Sanchez was throwing 97 to 98 miles per hour with intense movement on all of his pitches. But as of right now, as we saw in spring training, he was barely hitting 93 miles per hour. But Aaron Sanchez is my candidate to become another successful resurgence story Out of the giants organization and there's a reason why farhan zaidi has been trying to acquire him over the past two years this start against the padres is going to tell us as fans everything we need to know about aaron sanchez and where he's at currently and where he'll need to improve my only hope is that this game doesn't get too far out of hand when a pitcher is struggling or isn't a hundred percent on his game this Padres offense has a way of showing it to everyone and they have a way of showing it in a big way. So if Aaron Sanchez can somehow only hold this offense to let's just say three runs in five innings and also walking away with four or five strikeouts, that type of start would definitely be something I'm happy with considering that Aaron Sanchez hasn't made a regular season start in almost a year and a half. Now, As for you, Darvish, who's going to be pitching for the Padres, he is currently one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. But with that being said, there are a few Giants who have found success against Darvish, and that's going to be the lefties in this lineup. Belt has gone 1-for-5. Crawford has gone 2-for-7 with a double. Alex Dickerson, he's had the most success here, has gone 3-for-6 with two doubles and a home run. That's pretty great. Wilmer Flores has gone 0-for-4. He's a righty hitter. Listella has still found a hit. He's gone 1-for-2 with the walk. Evan Longoria has faced Darvish 21 times, and he's gotten four hits, including two doubles and one home run. And Yaz, his career numbers against Yu Darvish looks like 2-for-4 with the home run. Posey has also managed to find a hit, but Donovan Solano is 0-for-1 in his career against Yu Darvish. I've talked about this all episode, but this is the game where the Giants' left-handed bats have to wake up. It's been amazing to see how well Posey and Evan Longori have been hitting lately, but we also need to see Yaz and Alex Dickerson start hitting again, and Belt in my opinion, especially because I expect this to be a high-scoring game on the Padres' end. In my opinion, if the Giants want to stay in this game, then the bats need to come alive. Alright, moving on to the last game of the series, and that's going to be Kevin Gosman versus Blake Snell for the Padres. Now, even though Kevin Gosman is definitely the Giants' best pitcher in this rotation, he still doesn't have the best numbers against the Padres. As a team, the Padres have produced a 387 batting average against Gosman. Some standouts are Tommy Pham, he's gone 2-for-5. Trent Grisham, actually who won't be in this game, has gone 1-for-4 and he had a triple. Will Myers has gone 2-for-9, but he has struck out four times against Gosman, so that's encouraging. And Jerickson Profar has gone 2-for-6 with a double. But something that is surprising to me is that Gosman has somehow given up zero home runs to this team. I don't know how that's possible, considering how many home runs he gave up last year, but Kevin Gosman has not given up any home runs to one of the best hitting teams in all of baseball, which is great. He's going to have to do that again if he expects to find success against this team. And like I mentioned during the Seattle Mariners series, Kevin Gosman will have to keep these batters off of the bases. Now, I know you're probably thinking to yourself, well, yeah, James, no shit. Keep the batters off the bases. That's easier said than done. But the only reason why I bring that up is because Thursday night, the Giants as a whole walked a total of nine batters. That simply cannot happen. That is too many free bases, especially to a team like the Padres who will make you pay for it. So, like always with Gosman, the key to success will be not giving up any home runs and minimizing the walks. On the mound for the Padres is Blake Snell, who also just happens to be one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. If any of you listeners watched the World Series last year, then you know exactly what Blake Snell is capable of. He completely shut down the World Series winning Dodgers, and he also completely shut down pretty much anyone he faced last year. However, the only benefit for the Giants is that the majority of our lineup has not faced Blake Snell. The only players who have received at-bats against Snell is Alex Dickerson, who's gone 0 for 3. Donovan Solano, who's gone 0 for 2. But surprisingly, Wilmer Flores has gotten the most at-bats, and he's also gotten the most success. In five at-bats, he's gotten three hits, including a double. So along with Flores, I'm also going to need the rest of the right-handed bats to continue what they've been doing so far throughout this season, which is hit, and hit in a big way. These next two games are not going to be easy considering how good Hugh Darvish and Blake Snell are, but it's also not impossible to find success against them, especially against this Giants hitting team. Whenever the Giants or anyone for that matter face the Padres, the hardest thing to do is keep those bats silent. The Padres have one of the best offenses in all of baseball. If the Giants pitching staff can minimize the damage like they did last night in game one, then they will have a great shot at winning these next two games. All right, everybody, that is going to be all for today's episode of the Say Hey Podcast. Make sure to enjoy last night's win because I honestly don't know how many more wins we can pull out against the Padres. But that's okay because once we are done with this Padres series, the Giants then take on the Miami Marlins, which should be a fun matchup and a little less intense. But anyways, folks, you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you feel so inclined. Folks, again, thank you so much for the support that you've given to me and this show. It truly means the world. All right, everybody, continue to stay safe out there, and please continue to be smart. But most importantly, go Giants.